You're listening to the Gray Estates podcast from thegrayestates.com. Blog game Taylor Swift with Lauren and Noah. Produced by Girl Power and Dreams. Welcome to the Gray States Podcast, Episode 10. I'm Lauren, the Gray States founder, and as always, Noah's here. I got laid off in a text message this week. Not a very good week. No. I'm sorry. This week's about to get better, though, with this Gray States episode. Yeah, this is a great episode. We welcome Noah's former radio pal. Yeah. Katie Moulton. 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 Moulton? Yeah, you got it. Okay. Sometimes I struggle with pronunciation. She used to be my radio pal, but now she is the music editor at Denver's world-famous alt-weekly, The Westward. That's W-E-S-T-W-O-R-D.com is where you can find that. And she writes lots of really cool stuff all the time. And she knows a lot about music. And uh, she always put on the best radio shows and i always wanted my radio shows to be as good as hers were you're doing a pretty good job on this sort of radio show podcast thanks i'm trying we're getting better every week this i mean honestly if you're not subscribed and or leaving us five stars then i just don't know what to tell you and here's the thing I accidentally didn't put us on Google Play, so if you are an Android user and you've been listening to this on thegrayestates.com, you haven't been able to take it mobile, now you can in the Google Play Store. You can also, if you're one of those people who uses Stitcher, uh, I don't, I haven't in a long time, but it's on Stitcher as well, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, thegrayestates.com, plenty of places to listen except you can't rate and review on thegrayestates.com. But what can you do on thegrayestates.com, Lauren? You can support us because we added two new buttons. The first is our ongoing Patreon, where you can join our cool record club and other things for giving us money. Or you can donate any amount you wish by clicking the PayPal. And you can read stuff. We have a buddy who joined the $5 a month club. Oh, Yeah. I forgot. And when you join the $5 a month club, we say how great you are. So, hey, Jeff Betton, I think that's how you say it. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing it. I have trouble pronouncing. He's one of the voices that you heard in the new intro. That intro is snazzy AF. Thanks. That's worth five stars alone. So what does Jeff do? Tell us about Jeff. He's the general manager at Misro Records. And the president of Wild Kindness Records, both in Pittsburgh. Both cool record labels. And we had a bunny, a buddy, a bunny? A bunny. We had a bunny 
give a one-time donation. And we want to thank him too. I don't know if he wants to be uh, named. So you know who you are. Thanks, pal. And uh, this week we're hearing a really cool song. Uh, There's a little bit of a spoiler involved in the song that we're hearing uh, at the end of the episode. We asked Katie who some of her favorite Denver bands are, and she recommended a few, one of whom are our new friends, the Corner Girls. They were nice enough to let us use a song of theirs recorded DIY style on an iPhone called Go Go. So here it is on the Gray States podcast, The Corner Girls. See you on the other side. that with us and maybe like have a profile picture no. and stuff. Nah. Who needs nah. it? Yeah. Do you ever have Google Plus? I don't know. I got a lot of I got a lot of invitations. <laughs> invitations to Google Plus. Um, it's not clear to me whether I was actually part of it. So nice to meet you and 
How you doing, Noah? I'm doing great. Yeah? Yeah. I need to take you up on that offer to give me some friends in Minneapolis, but other than that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, whenever you're ready. (laughs) They are all poets, weirdly, or one of them works for Target. So it's an extreme. I know. I love Target. You should definitely befriend them. <laughs> yeah. He's a he's a nice boy. Um, but yeah, Target Target's sort of a it inspires a lot of loyalty among its employees, from what I can tell. They've really got that like corporate cult mentality down. Hmm. Sometimes yeah. I just week, like I'll their popcorn. A picture of my sunglasses because they've got Target logos all Ooh. over. Them. Did you wow, get them yeah, at Target? Yeah. No, they gave them to me at the Pride Parade. Oh. Oh, that's nice. Uh, how are you? Um, yeah, no, it's the Underground Music Showcase in Denver this weekend. So, uh, you know, four days of just constant show. Um, it's very hectic, but it's been fun. Were you talking about that on These Things Matter? No, I was talking about the Westward Music Showcase. Yeah, so the Westward Music Showcase is the festival that my paper puts on, um, but it's a one-day thing. And then the Underground Music Showcase, it's not so underground anymore, but it's over like four days uh, in a different section of town. And it's like loosely associated with the Denver Post. Hmm. So we're supposed to be in competition, but... We just support each other yeah. instead. Yeah. So. Is that, is the underground music uh, showcase the thing that got you your own piece of paper with giant text that says that Katie Moulton can get it for free? <laughs> no, no, that's, uh, that's just the permanent list uh, at the Lost Lake Lounge venue uh, and Larimer Lounge, apparently. So the, the um Scott I I've known him since I moved here and he always well you can go to any show it won't be a problem just you're on the permanent list you can just walk in just give him your name but and I go to his venues a lot but every time I'm like oh yeah this is Katie Moulton and they're like oh you're not on the list <laughs> and I have to be like well Scott says I can come in and then they say, okay. But I told him, I was like, listen, I don't want to give your door people any more grief. Like, can you just make an actual list? Like you said. And so I guess the directive came through and that's, <laughs> that's the solution is just a piece of paper <laughs> taped to the wall. <laughs> so I think it should work, <laughs> but I feel a little strange about it. Lauren, imagine this. Katie posted on her Instagram today just a picture of a wall at a venue and it's an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper. And (laughs) imagine the the biggest text that you could possibly put to write Katie Moulton is approved for guest list. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I felt, I feel good about it. (laughs) Celeb status. uh, Yeah. It's funny though. I mean, cause, because I was at dinner last night 
and I got a text from a number that I didn't recognize with that picture. <laughs> so I didn't take that picture. Oh. It was just somebody oh. sent it to me. And I was like, oh, like I felt bad because obviously they know. <laughs> I don't know who this person was. So I was like, oh, you know, haha. Like I've I've may- finally made it. Uh, <laughs> and they the conversation continued for a while, and I had to finally say for the first time ever, like who dis, <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> <but> like <laughs> and it turned out to be. Uh, Scott Campbell, the owner of the venue. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was like, oh, sorry. I guess I just have your work number, but thanks. Um, but yeah. So I've really, I've really made a name for myself here in Denver. Seems like it. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that's true. But anyway. But you've done some. You've done something for yourself more than I have. Lauren, I wanted you to meet Katie because Katie is like the dream, like the American dream for uh, independent writers. The music editor of Denver Westward relocated to Denver out of anywhere. She could have gone anywhere in the world and she went there because this place offered her a job. That's my dream. What the dream is to be a music editor or a music writer? Yeah, I guess. I used to do magazine writing for like a local women's magazine and it was yeah. the worst. <laughs> I wrote the dumbest stuff. Yeah, that's part of it. There's a lot of dumb stuff you have to write <laughs> in yeah. the current current magazine world. Ugh. Yeah. What was the dumbest thing you ever wrote, Lauren? Well, anytime I had to go to a school board meeting was dumb because <laughs> I never knew what was going on and I never told my editor this, but if something happened and I didn't understand it, I just wouldn't write about it. <laughs> that's, a, that's a strategy for sure. Yeah. I mean, definitely helped. <laughs> yeah. May have missed some scoops, but you know. Hey, that's all right. No one was there. They wouldn't have known. I was going to say, people aren't watching the school boards that closely. Yeah, I'm really most surprised of the, time. the school board is the first thing that came to mind for you because... Where I'm from, the school board doesn't get any press. Yeah, not a lot of stuff ever happens. It's mainly just a place for parents to complain, I think. Oh. But it's all right. Yeah. What's the dumbest thing you've ever had to write about? Well, (laughs) let's see. Um, I'm trying to think recently... I don't know. I mean, I I had to write about the 82-year-old um, Colorado man who went on America's Got Talent and um, sang Drowning Pool. Oh, boy. <laughs> and, yeah, it, it went viral. Um, <laughs> and this was like, you know, I mean, it wasn't like I got to speak to him or anything or this wasn't like revealing, but it was just sort of a – a, a thing that you know that people are going to click on. Yeah. Um, so it was, I got the scoop in anticipation of it going viral, which it did. And it did great web traffic for us. But, um, you know, moments like that, you sort of question, like, what is your journalistic purpose? <laughs> but, like, what am I doing? Um, so, but I mean, props to him. Like, yeah, he's a, he's a worthy subject. For a story, but uh, felt a little silly. 
I think if you did any headline other than uh, this Denver man went on America's Got Talent and you'll never guess what happened next, I think that you're, <laughs> you've got a lot of integrity left. <laughs> yeah, I, did, I mean, my, it was probably something similar to that. <laughs> It was probably like Colorado man makes the bodies hit the floor on America's <laughs> Got Talent, <laughs> you know, or uh, something like that. But he he did a great job. He terrified, you know, families across the nation. So I give it up to him. Oh my gosh. Do you think yeah. we'll get in trouble, Lauren, if we just have that be the the song that we play before the interview? <laughs> Drowning pool? No, that I'll rip that audio off of a YouTube video. <laughs> you know, I don't know that many people would enjoy that, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can do it's it. Shocking. <laughs> it's shocking. You run the risk of uh, them turning off the podcast yeah, right away. We probably lose every subscriber we have. <laughs> Oof. But then we'll gain everybody in Colorado by the sounds of it. <laughs> Sounds like yeah, he's a hometown hero. I'm blanking on his whole thing, but there was a guy in Bloomington who was on one of those shows, right? Oh, really? Oh my god! I was hoping I don't you know. would save me on this one. I'm just going to cut this whole part out of the podcast. <laughs> this is embarrassing that I don't remember. But yeah, everybody hated him because he <laughs> he was only a local celebrity in his own mind. Oh, I need to text. Was he good? Um, I don't think so. Mm. I think that he was on like True Life or something. Oh, what do was it, he like, trying what, to do? Yeah. <sighs> Give me a minute. We'll circle. Yeah, if you're gonna drop like True Life, <laughs> I'm doing some um some fact checking as we speak. Okay. Yeah. The only person we had on True Life was the girl who was obsessed with her cell phone. From Sharon and her husband like wanted to leave her. Oh my god! Yeah, it was really depressing. That's a really sad story. Did they work it out? You know, I forget, but I I think they did. But like, she went to the local candy store with her kids, and they were like running amok, and she just wasn't watching them because she was like playing Farmville or something. Oh god! Yeah, it was really sad. That is really sad. I thankfully I haven't written anything about Pokemon Go yet. Oh my god! I feel like that's a, that's a personal victory for me, <laughs> even though it it continues to be a thing. I think we thought that 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 would all die down, you know, after a week, but it feels like it's still going. I didn't think it would last this long. I know, I know. It's really it's it's changing everything. Lauren, are you in, where are you based? Pittsburgh? Yeah, sort of, like an hour from Pittsburgh. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. How is it out there? Um, you know, it's, it's, it's here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I've only been, I've driven through that part of the country, and I've been to Pittsburgh once, um, but I don't feel like I... I gave it a fair shake because I was there on a business trip. So I'll have to Lots go back. Lots of people sometime. like it, but I mean, <laughs> not so much. Yeah. You probably don't need to come back. If you just drove okay. through it, you saw all there was to see. 
Oh, well, good. Okay, I'll I'll tell that to uh, my my partner. Brings it up as like a potential like place to relocate in the future, and I've always no. been a little bit hesitant. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, don't do that. Okay, <laughs> it's good to know. All right, my inside source. Uh, yeah, what do you got? Bloomington celebrity Madeline Ava, MadelineAva.bandcamp.com. I asked Madeline her, Ava. I thought that he was on True Life, but his name was Jeremy Gottwalls. He was on Made, and he ah. recently moved to Cincinnati. And here's a quote from Madeline. He says in Bloomington, if you walk into a coffee shop and say you are trying to work on your brand, people just stare at you. And in Cincy, everybody says, me too. So he loves it. <laughs> That's the worst. Potential next <laughs> podcast. Yes, right there. Yeah. That's true. Wow. He moved to the big city, Cincinnati. Yeah. yeah. That's so cool. Um, when I first moved to Bloomington, I moved to Bloomington for a job at a radio station that shall remain nameless, who, uh, is an alternative top 40 station also has a right leaning AM talk radio station. And, uh, Katie, Stephanie Foreman worked there as well. And, uh, I was doing overnights monitoring the board, which was something that, um, that mm, I, I probably could have written it and I don't know HTML. I probably could have written a code where a computer could have done my job. <laughs> uh, if the feed yeah. went off the air, I pressed, well, first of all, if the feed went off the air, um, I pressed a button and it went to a different feed and then that feed would be on the air. Um, but when the feed went off the air, it would sound an alarm kind of like, um, like a fire drill at school. And so oh, God. there were a few times that I just laid down on the floor and fell asleep and <laughs> was not woken up by an alarm because the alarm never went off. Uh, but when I was there, I watched a lot of true life on my laptop because there was nothing else to do. My favorite episode of true life. I say this all the time is the episode where uh, a guy has a foot fetish and he lives in like New York or something, and then he meets some girl on OkCupid, and he flies her out from like Los Angeles or something, and then um, he gets a tattoo of her foot on his bicep. Oh my and god! And she goes back to LA, <laughs> and in the post roll it says um, that they never uh, saw each other again. Oh my god! That's literally the most depressing thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Well. Okay. Was he hoping that it would be more? I Yeah. It seemed like it was a yeah. whirlwind romance for him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, he has the memories and the tattoo forever. Yeah. So and he probably has a lot of money. That's all that. right. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Well, let's see. Enough about that. And more <laughs> yeah. about our esteemed guest, yeah. Katie Moulton. How does this work? Well, uh, all of that has been interview worthy for the Gray Estates, <laughs> and I'm going to keep it in. Yeah, we keep it pretty cash. Yeah. Okay. But I guess, so this is an open secret between Katie and myself. I was a huge admirer of Katie's <laughs> radio show and uh, wanted to be her friend so badly. 
and then I became her friend. <laughs> but Katie, you used to yeah. write not about music mostly. You wrote poetry. Um, I was in school for uh, actually fiction writing um, at Indiana. I was doing my MFA in, in fiction, but I also wrote poetry. Yeah. When you submit to a poetry book, what what's the pitching process like for that? Oh, well, literary journals are, um, you know, you just send them a or a collection of poems and most like, you know, 95% of the time you get rejected. Uh-huh. That's it. There's no pitching. Hmm. You just send them what you have and somebody and somebody else reads it if they like it and then maybe somebody else reads it and then maybe you get like offered publication. But are those like different um parts of your brain that you're doing to uh just submit something versus to um be like, well, I want to write about this, and here's why you should publish me writing about this. It seems like almost two whole different experiences. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's so different from from culture writing or, or magazine writing or um, whatever, where you um, or even like sort of longer form journalism, uh, where you're you're writing and just trying to sell them on the idea before you actually do the work. Um, but yeah, it's a totally different thing. I mean, yeah, some places, and I do this sometimes as an editor of, you know, a culture, pop culture section, um, is sometimes if it's a new writer that I don't, that I haven't worked with before, I'm not really sure about their clips, if they're relevant. Um, I will have them send me something on spec. And so they write a full article and then I say whether I can use it or not. Um, and that's a similar thing to like creative forms of writing of like everything into it in advance and then sending it and hoping maybe somebody likes it or can use it. How many people do you have that write for you? Um, it depends. It's uh, so the way that Westward and most newspapers have to work these days is we have a very small staff and uh, only have a couple of staff writers. And so everybody else is freelance. And so, you know, I've got my sort of stable of regular writers who are pitching me and, and turning things in every week. And there are probably, I don't know, 10 of them who are like writing on a really regular basis. And then I've probably got 20 more who are more irregularly writing and maybe I'm trying to like, you know, get them to write more or they have day jobs and can't or, um, you know, other obligations. So it's a, it's a large group and I, I'm always recruiting new folks, you know, somebody can write and communicate their ideas and like has the time and is willing to work for not a ton of money. (laughs) Um, then I'm like very happy to hear from them. Is managing writers like something that you have ever done before it seems like something that you wouldn't learn anything about in school necessarily yeah I mean I've been an editor in various capacities for a long time I mean since high school I was like an editor of my school paper so uh the editorial job is like a lot of management uh 
where you get a lot of those skills. And when I was living in Bloomington and in grad school, I was the editor of the Indiana Review, which is a national literary journal. It's been around since the 70s. Um, so through that and other things, I got used to to managing writers, both on staff and as the people making the content that we were publishing. So uh, yeah, it's kind of an odd thing. You gotta you gotta balance. You have to be a really good communicator and be able to make sure they know what's expected, so no one's feeling taken advantage of, um, and also dealing with with some ego <laughs> from writers, because um, I think people like to think their stuff is perfect when it's turned in, but the fact of like writing for publication is you get edited. That's it. Like that's just the reality of it. And even the best writers need need an editor and need some help before it goes live. So I bet that there are a fair number of listeners who want to be writing for something uh freelance or full-time or whatever. And like what what would you say are the your biggest turnoffs as an editor and what what mm. do you look for in somebody that you want to work with? Well, I think number one, it's important to be reliable. You must meet deadlines. You must, you know, that's just, it's just unacceptable to not, to, to bail on an assignment or something once you've made an agreement. And I think that just goes to like anything that you're doing professionally or in your personal life, just don't bail on people, you know? Um, but because it's sort of a loose thing and freelancing a lot of times, like people think that those professional standards don't apply, but they definitely do. So I would say number one, be reliable, um, turn your shit in on time, but then also, you know, bring some ideas to the table. Uh, you know, if you're approaching an editor for the first time, don't just say, I want to write about music. I love music. You know, send me to a concert. You know, you got to come with with an idea for a story or someone to talk to or somebody who's doing something interesting or an angle on an artist, something like that, so that you, the editor knows that you're bringing something to the table there. Um, and then the other thing specifically for music writers, people who – who love music and, and can write and want to put those things together. Um, the more important thing is being able to write, is being able to communicate. Um, I have a lot of people who reach out to me and they're huge music fans and they might be super knowledgeable, but they can't put it into words in a way that any that is useful or entertaining for anyone else. And that's a huge gap, you know, just because you know everything about an artist or, or you're passionate doesn't mean that that translates to being a music critic or a music writer. So I know back when I was starting out, I was writing about music mostly. And my editor came to me and said, the editor in chief, he said, well, I want you to write about food now and food and wine and, and cocktails. And I said, well, I don't know anything about that. And he said, it doesn't matter. He said, if you can write about this, you can write about anything. So just go out and learn something and tell us about it. And that was sort of the most important thing um, 
about writing for this kind of publication or any. And you think that's true? If you can write about music, you can write about wine? No, if you can write, period, you can write about anything. Because it's about it's about going out, listening, doing your reporting, and then being able to communicate what you've learned. So that's that's what I did. I like I'm not a I don't have a necessarily Yeah, I don't have like super developed palette or something, or I wasn't like particularly like passionate about food, but I would go and observe and use all my senses and talk to people who did know stuff. And then I was able to synthesize that information and like make it accessible to readers. And that's just writing, you know, that's uh, doesn't take any more skill than that. What's the thing that you've done that you were most out of your element in? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the wine thing was interesting. I had like a wine column for a while and I knew nothing, you know, so that was, that was pretty out of my element. Um, I'm trying to think. Here's a follow-up question while you think about that. Are, when you're writing about wine, if you get it wrong, uh, how many letters do you get about (laughs) how you describe the wine improperly um it's been a while so not that many you know I think uh well in terms of like this kind of lifestyle writing if a person like took my article and then went and bought that bottle of wine and then had a different experience with it I don't think they were ever going to be that upset after a bottle of wine <laughs> that they're going to like <laughs> write an angry email or something, you know, he's, I don't know. He still had a, still had a nice, nice time. It's not that serious. Um, people get more angsty about um, you writing something critical about a musician that they love. I would say um, that's, that's when you're going to get, if you if you're criticizing Bob Dylan, for example, you're gonna get a lot of <laughs> of angry comments online. And I feel um, like you yeah. on on um on these things matter, which I've mentioned a few times, is uh, a great podcast, probably the best one. Um, all Gray Estates listeners, check it out. Give them a bump. But um, I feel like you mentioned on These Things Matter that uh, it's the opinion of you and the Westward that you just don't write negative reviews. Oh, well, no, it's, well, it was more like we definitely write negative reviews, definitely. Um, But we don't do album reviews so much. So we do concert reviews and, you know, whatever happens, happens. And the writer tries to, to convey that. But we, the editor before me kind of phased out writing album reviews because it just didn't seem like it was that useful to anyone, you know, because people, people are just going to go, they're going to do their own listening or they're going, if it's a national act, they're going to go to Pitchfork or whatever. Um, So it just didn't seem that useful. And especially if it's if it's a, an album that we're not that excited about, you know, what's the point of just like dragging that local artist through the mud? 
you know, that's not like, it just doesn't, it just didn't seem to serve a purpose that way. It doesn't seem that useful, you know? Yeah. For sure. Whereas like, you know, if I go to the Justin Bieber show and you know, my experience is that he's a dead eyed punk, then I can say <laughs> that. And that seems useful to people because he's sort of like, he's this figure that people are interested in and have a lot. And, you know, he's so powerful. Um, it doesn't matter so much to him as like a bad review from the local music critic um, could have a really devastating effect on a local band. So. Lauren, how do you feel about that? About which part? Just about all of it. <laughs> um, I I don't do negative stuff either, but um, I do. I don't know. There's some bands I wish I could say negative things about them, but I don't think it would serve any purpose. But yeah, no, I agree with that. Can you guys hear these ambulances? Yeah. Pass. <laughs> Got some action back there. Ugh, it's so annoying. I only had one day to get a job and an apartment in Minneapolis. And uh, of course, I didn't realize that there are two hospitals. Nearby. Oh, yeah. I had that in Bloomington. I lived on this hill that was sort of perfectly triangulated with like the police station, the firehouse and the hospital. Oh. <laughs> so it just sort of reverberated through the little valley. Yeah. It was rough. Yeah. I lived above the antique mall and there were ambulances all the time. Oh. At the antique were they, mall? Were they going to pick up people at the antique mall? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was just Second Street was the street that they went yeah. from the east side to the hospital. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> what uh what do you guys usually talk about? Do you usually usually talk to musicians, right? Yeah. Our first episode was with our friend who runs Father Daughter Records, which um, Pure Bathing Culture put out their first first album on yeah. um, Hiccup and and uh, Power Bottom are on that label too. But it's oh cool um, musicians thus far. But like yeah, I feel like the thing is the thing about the Gray Estates podcast is we're trying to not have any just like white dudes on the podcast yeah um the more gender, that's great gender queer artists the better uh like what's the power of the westward in denver are you getting is it a readership that you have or do you uh does the Westward reach out to people who wouldn't normally be hearing about the things that the Westward writes about? Uh, yeah, both. I mean, Westward is is the alternative weekly of Denver, and it was founded in 1977 um, by Patty Calhoun, who's you know she was like 23, and she's still the editor in chief. She's still in the trenches. She knows everything that goes on in the city. And like, it's, it's cool because Westward has been along and been established for all of this time and yet still has that cachet of being like the underground alternative news source. And especially in terms of culture, 
you know, we're going to cover things. Um, we're going to cover groups. We're going to cover DIY and punk and, and female artists and genderqueer artists and like all of these people that are not going to be necessarily on the radar of like the Denver post, you know, which is sort of the major daily, but which like all print publications is just gutted and like doesn't have enough staff to do that kind of thing and is reaching like a more general audience. You know, the people who read Westward, people look to it for recommendations on culture and where to get out and like to see themselves represented um, where they won't be otherwise. So I feel like Westward really has its finger on a lot of the pulses of what's going on in Denver um, and isn't shy about having an opinion about what's going on. And, and for that reason, the paper sometimes has a strained relationship with like the mayor's office or the <laughs> police department. Um, but that it's like, it's exciting. It's like, even though you have to do articles that are clickbaity and like, you know, that the, the way that my salary is paid is via ads, you know, and traffic, it still feels like a paper that is doing is fulfilling the mission of journalism, which is to be this other line of like questioning um, and shedding light on what goes on in government and among people. And like, that's something that we're really going to miss at the local level when it's gone. I knew about the Denver Westward before you ever applied for it. I had been to Denver like twice and Mm -hmm. it, it was just a name that I knew. Yeah. Well, it's the um, it's owned by Voice Media. And it, Voice Media is actually now headquartered here in Denver. So Westward's the flagship. But like uh, Voice was one of those companies like Village Voice, which is the name um, that owned a bunch of, altern- of these alternative weeklies across the country. Um, so it's it's a it's a big deal. But. It's funny. It's funny because like Westward is pretty strong, even though we've got a small staff and, uh, you know, it can be hard to do all the reporting that we would want to do. It's like a funny uh, side effect of legal weed in that, you know, all the dispensaries want to advertise. And so they advertise in our weekly paper Um and that like that revenue supports the staff and like the digital edition of the paper, which is like really where the stories are happening. Um, just a funny, like instead of like, you know, sex line ads, it's it's just dispensaries and stuff now in Denver. It's like a different. Didn't Denver also make so much money on their legal weed that they like funneled millions of dollars into their school system or something i'm not sure i hope that's true i really hope it's true um yeah i know that like yeah denver is different from other places that i've lived in that there is sort of a surplus of it's it feels like the the government has more money and therefore the arts gets better funding than other places i know minnesota is like fucking awesome for like supporting artists through grants and stuff like that. And I, I feel like Denver is a similar place and that 
uh, a lot of public money is going back into arts programs and really valuing that as part of the culture here. And, and that's just, it's hard to find some in, in many places now. Yeah. Yeah. Go weed, <laughs> go legal weed. It's great. It's funny. The only other person we've had from Denver, Esme Patterson, uh, shouted out legal weed too. <laughs> it's the way of the future guys. It just is. If only you lived in Minnesota, Katie. You can't buy alcohol after 10 p.m. And you can't really? buy it on Sundays either. I thought I was moving somewhere more liberal than Indiana. I know. You definitely are. Uh, if you, as the editor of the Denver Westward, would indulge us, which, which local bands are going to get your seal of approval on this podcast? Ooh, which Denver bands? Yeah. Oh my gosh. That is, that's very tough. <laughs> that's There's very no tough. There's no limit. You can say however many you want. Oh, yeah. Um, I know. But you know when you get that question and then like all of these names sure. start rushing to your mind? Um, one that comes up first to me is um, this female MC named Kubala. Um, she's actually based out of Fort Collins, but she plays in Denver a lot. Um, and she is super talented and just conscientious and just has a really cool story. She was like a, a basketball player in college and this and that, and like has been through a lot of stuff and, um, is queer and just like, I don't know, has... I don't know. Her her lyrics are great. Her style is great. So I would say Cubala. That's Q-B-A-L-A. Um, she's amazing. And I just heard about this band and then saw them get up on stage with Taco Cat over the weekend, which was very exciting. Uh, and they're three young women called the Corner Girls. And they, uh, they call their style, they call it pastel punk. And... Are, are pretty confrontational in in the way that they like address the patriarchy in their music and it's it's fun and yeah i would give them my stamp of approval as well um and then there's this pop band called strawberry runners uh that i really like and actually emmy who's the sort of the driving force of that band and the singer songwriter um she's like sort of the the main the main artist in that band, Strawberry Runners. And she spent time in Bloomington. She kind of cut her teeth in Bloomington. Yeah, She's what was from the name of her band? In Bloomington. Strawberry Runners. No, in Bloomington. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't know her. She left she we she left Bloomington and I moved there the same year. So we didn't overlap. But she's now moving from Denver to New York, actually. Hmm. She's relocating. But uh I like, I think her songs are interesting and uh, it's just like some, just some sweet, sweet babes playing pop music. Yeah. The name yeah. of her Bloomington band is uh, Summer Salt, Salt Like the Seasoning. Oh, nice. I like that. Uh, let's close this out and then we'll go off the record about WFHB. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. Uh, thanks, Katie. You're the best. 
Thank you, Lauren. Thank you, Noah. This was lovely. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. That was good, Noah. You want you asleep? No, I was yelling my mom was yelling to me about the neighbor, so I turned off the microphone. <laughs> <And then> the <laughs> so it did. doesn't end up on the end. <laughs> it's gonna end up on the end. Of course it's gonna end up on the end. No, she was like, Lauren, Lawrence <laughs> I was like, Oh well, your parents listen, right? I mean, no. Oh. I don't think they'd like the language. <laughs>